everyone. You're listening to Axtrack, a podcast committed to examining and providing solutions for safety and occupational health in the workplace. My name is Holly. I'm a registered nurse and the host of Axtrack. Whatever role you play, this show is all about providing you with new knowledge that can take your organization to the next level. All right. Well, with the alarming frequency of active mass shootings in the U.S. workplace, every business really needs an emergency response plan that's in place. So really, that's kind of where we come to our question of, is your workplace prepared for an active shooter? Today, actually, we've kind of gone to the front lines to bring a very special guest in, and I really appreciate you being here. Um, I'd like to introduce Josh Taylor. He's a supervisor for the EMS and tactical units operations. Welcome aboard. Yeah, thanks for having me so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for joining us. So before we get started and kind of jump further into this, maybe you can explain for the listeners what a tactical unit is and how that applies to mass shootings. Yeah, definitely. We have a, uh, over here at Community Volunteer Fire Department, we have a tactical EMS team. And what that is, it's a group of firefighters and paramedics and EMTs all working together, um, getting similar training as police officers. So we train with local constable's office, local FBI, just different law enforcement agencies. So we're all prepared for an active shooter situation. That way, most times you see it where the police officers go in first by themselves and then you have a group of paramedics staged in an ambulance several blocks away. Um, Unfortunately, if something happens to those police officers or someone inside the active shooter scenario and they get shot or hurt, they're bleeding out, they're bleeding out, and there's not an EMT or paramedic to save them right away. Uh, So someone can bleed out in three or four minutes and it's going to take three or four minutes for a EMT to get over there. So what we're doing is we're training with these police officers, um, learning their tactics, learning their moves, and so we can go in right with them. So if there's a school, we're going into the school right with the police officers. If it's a mall, we're going in right with them. If it's a workplace, we're going there right with them. So if someone goes down or hurt, then there's an EMT or paramedic to put a tourniquet on right away to stop the bleeding to save their life. So just kind of working with them. And you mentioned the stop the bleeding. Tell us a little bit more about, because I think that you're actually involved in that. Yeah, so I teach stop the bleed over here at community and it's uh, due to recently mandated House Bill 496, it's requiring all schools, public and private, to have stop the bleeding training. Um, Not only that, but they have to have kits in their school. Those kits include tourniquets, combat gauze, uh, gloves, just anything that you can use to help save their life. And so uh, every school in Texas has to have this. So we're going around, we're teaching this class. It's a really good class. Um, we put it on, uh, a company called Set Track puts it on. Um, it's about two hours long and it's really great. You can use it at home, office, school, in your car, anywhere that there's trauma. Wow, and so, and that covers not just the, the teachers then, that covers administrators or, right. or who Administrative, else uh, nurses, police officers even, because um, a lot of them don't know exactly how to use their tourniquets. They might have a tourniquet on them, but they've never used it. Um, So we do a like classroom portion of it, and then we do a hands-on skills portion. So you're physically putting a tourniquet on someone, uh, putting on another teacher, putting on the principal, Um, you're packing wounds. So you're learning how to do that. So if something does happen, it's kind of second nature to you and you're not freaking out, trying to figure out how do I do this? I forgot how to do this. You're, we're making sure that they know how to stop that bleeding, how to save a life. Wow, that's awesome. 
That's a great initiative. Well, kind of getting more into the numbers and, and looking at some of these active shooter, shooter cases. You know, when you look at the stats from the Congressional Research Service to Stanford University to the Washington Post, they all seem to kind of calculate their stats differently. But what it kind of comes down to, I think it's based on, you know, some of them consider three or more um, incidents or some of them right. are saying that it's four, but basically they all are saying that it has occurred in a public place and it excludes the perpetrators and also organized crime. But looking at those numbers as of like the end of September, I think that that it was showing something like 334 mass shootings that had already occurred, you know, in 2019. So, I mean, that actually brings us to 1.2 mass shootings that are occurring each and every day. That just seems like a staggering number. Oh, it's insane. Um, and it's becoming more and more frequent and there doesn't seem to be a stop to it. So the only thing you can do is prepare for it. Um, you're not gonna stop it, you're not gonna prevent them. Um, the only preventive me uh, measures you can take is look for signs of someone in the workplace or at the school that's becoming more depressed, angry. Um, they're showing signs that something might happen. Um, you can report that. Um, they're taking those reports a whole lot more seriously now because it's becoming a more common thread. Um, but the only thing you can do is train, prevent it, um, do uh, drills train so of these whenever i was looking at some of the the, the um shootings that had taken place i was really kind of focusing obviously because we're, we're more of a workplace type functionality right. but i looked at some of these and i mean they started out in the beginning of the year you had a shooting that had occurred in a florida bank where we had like five victims there mm -hmm. um that shooter had actually been in training to be a correctional officer and had just resigned two weeks prior to that in february yet again we're we're at another shooting this one had occurred at a manufacturing plant um another five victims there along with an additional five police officers um and this was yet again a disgruntled employee that had been there yeah. for 15 years i mean you know everything from virginia beach to you know as we're we're located in texas yeah. you know the things that that happened here obviously we're a little bit more sensitive to those but yeah. we had the issue of the shooting at, at walmart in el paso where we had the 22 that were killed we had an additional 24 that were injured and then in the same exact month we've got the midland odessa shooting where where even though that wasn't necessarily a workplace related, that gentleman had had just been terminated from his position before he then went on a, a roaming rampage, you know, and, and took so many lives. So looking at this, it just seems like that this is an issue that can't be ignored any longer. And everybody thinks that it happens to somebody else or it happens in a different location or a different scenario, but it just seems like that we need to have a reality check and, and recognize that this can happen to each and every one of us in the workplace. No, definitely. Um, you never know when it could happen. Um, you never know when someone might trigger and that might be it for them and uh, they might just go off. Um, and a lot of people think it's only in schools because that's what gets shown the most on the news is school, school, schools. Um, but I got here in 2018 and there was 27 active shooter situations. Um, nine of those were in open public areas. Uh, seven of those were close to the public, so like offices, office buildings. Only five of those were in schools and then all the other ones were either churches, healthcare facilities, or government buildings. So not many of them are in schools. The ones that get shown in the news are schools because they're very tragic incidents, but can happen in any office place, any 
like you said, Walmart, anywhere. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it's occurring everywhere. And so it, it really makes you second guess what's going on in the world. You know, it just yeah. seems like that it's a different place where we live now than, than what it used to be. Yeah. And turning a blind eye to this and, and being kind of ignorant to the facts, it just seems like a poor, poor choice, poor selection. So with that in mind, my what we wanted to kind of speak with you about is for employers and workplaces and, and things like that that don't have a plan that's in place, talk to us a little bit, first of all, about why it's so important to be prepared for one of these types of scenarios. Yeah, no, it's definitely important. Um, just so everyone is on the same page of what to do. Um, you don't want to have, if you have 100 people in your workplace, you don't want to have 100 people doing something different. You need a generalized plan, a generalized escape route, and figure out what exactly each person's going to do. Um, what we usually teach is a uh, run, hide, and fight. So first you want to run, get anyone you can, get to safety, avoid kind of the hallway areas, um, any open door areas where an active shooter might be. Run, if you can get out a window, go out a window. Um, this is when it comes important to plan for emergency exits, figure out which exit is the best. If the active uh, shooter is in one area, then you know your emergency exit's in the other area. So you kind of got to know which way to go. Um, and then hide, of course, if you can't run, if you can't escape, get a designated hiding spot. Figure out what is a good area to hide. Um, barricade doors. Um, you guys can invest in uh, door props where you can uh, bolt the door closed, drill into the ground, and you can latch the door closed so they cannot get in from the outside. And then, of course, a fight is, of course, the last resort. Um, if it comes to it, then attack areas of weakness, uh, eyes, uh, groin area, uh, ears, nose, just stuff like that, the face. So that's what we're kind of teaching. But you need to have an organized plan, uh, bring the fire department by. That way, fire department EMS, when they get there, they know exactly the layout of the building. Um, they're not coming to your office and seeing it for the first time ever. And so they know how to kind of get around and go through different hallways and same with police officers, they know exactly where to go to get to an active shooter situation. So you're saying to educate them to know the layout of, of what your workplace is so that they right. know these things in advance right. in the event that something were to occur. Right. Yeah, most fire departments and uh, police departments will be thrilled if you call them up and say, hey, can you guys come by and just kind of do a uh, kind of emergency action plan? Um, that's just kind of plan for them to say, all right, there's this many classrooms, there's this many office spaces. Um, it's this much square footage. There's this exit and this exit. Um, I can go in through this way or this way. Um, so they have a plan um, and they can keep that in their system. So if something ever does happen and unfortunately they go to your office or they go to your child's school, they know exactly what it looks like, exactly which way to go. Um, so if you call and say there's an active shooter in the auditorium, they know exactly where the auditorium is, how to get to it, what kind of uh, path they're going to take to get there, uh, what classrooms are on the way. Um, what offices are on the way, stuff like that. Wow. Talk to me a little bit about where you said um, that the second part of that was was to hide. So yeah. when you say hide, give us an example of some of the places where or somebody might want to hide. So hiding would be a closed off area, um, preferably with the entrance and exit. So if something does happen, you can get out. You're not trapped in a room with one doorway. Um, you want to find somewhere that doesn't have a bunch of windows in it, a bunch of uh, clear doors, um, something that's not easy to break through or shoot through or anything like that. Um, something with large furniture, like we have tables all around us right now. You can put tables down, hide under the tables, hide in closets. Um, and the big thing about hiding is it's hide and deny. 
So you're not only hiding and kind of giving yourself up, you're denying that individual entry into that room. Hmm. So if there's a doorway that you know he might be coming from, get a couch, get a chair, get this table, just prop it up against the door, put as much stuff between you and the uh, active shooter as you can to try and get him, stop him from coming into the uh, room. Wow, okay, great information. So talk to us, Lynn, a little bit about, um, so we, we talked about having the importance of having a plan, but when it comes down to it, and, and maybe you've already contacted your local um, police department or you know the EMS service, et cetera, Whenever that occurs, then what 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 should be your next step? I mean, would that be making a formalized plan where it's it's something that's written down and then you know trained within the organization, yeah. or what's your thoughts there? No, definitely training. Um, you can never have enough training. Um, one thing is, there's a lot of fire drills. I mean, how often do we do fire drills? We do it a lot. And how often? I don't know if you know this, but how many for schools? How many kids have died from a fire in Texas? Ever? Zero. Yeah. And how many active shooter drills do we do in schools? None. None. So that's the, people are starting to realize that, that, hey, we need to start doing drills like this. Um, hopefully it becomes more prevalent where we're actually doing these drills. Um, fire drills are definitely important. I'm not saying they're not, but we need to start doing active shooter drills, um, telling the kids or in your office, have a audible alarm or PA announcement, something that they know this sound, this noise means there's an active shooter meaning the teachers, they go to the room, they lock the door, they get all the kids, they put them in a corner, they cover them with tables, desks, anything they can hide with, uh -huh. and they take cover until they get the signal that a police officer is arriving. Uh -huh. um, same with office. Um, have a office training where you get the members to hopefully lock the door if you can, get to a safe corner, hide, figure out emergency exits, have everyone exit through there, okay? Um, just any kind of scenarios you can do, um, have them come from different areas. You're not always gonna have the active shooter coming from the same location. They might be in the room with you, so you might need to run out of the room, but treat it like real life. Um, yeah. Practice like you play. If something does happen, then you wanna be prepared for it. You don't wanna be shocked. You want them to know, I know exactly what to do. I know where I'm running. If I can't escape and run, I know I'm gonna hide. Um, and just kind of show them all aspects of it, the run, height, and fight. So it feels like they're kind of on autopilot then. Yeah. It's, it's an automatic response. You're not figuring, trying to figure out where you're going to go, you know exactly where you're going, how you're getting out. And if you do have to hide, then you know exactly where you're hiding. And if you do have to fight, then you know exactly what you're going to do to protect yourself. And, and that's conditioned behavior, correct? Right. Yeah. Right. It's repetition and just repeating over and over again. We need to do more active shooter drills. Everyone does because mm -hmm. um, you never know, like we said earlier. You never know when someone might just trip and it might happen. Absolutely. We hear a lot of people talking about this. If you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what that means and, and where maybe where that originated or, or what the focus is, how people can make that relate to them. Yeah. Um, a lot of these instances where there is an active shooter, there's been lots of signs. You can't say that you've never seen uh, a lot of times on the news. They say, I've never, never saw this coming. I didn't know he was capable of this. I didn't know this was coming. But you go on their Facebook, their social media, um, you interview coworkers, and they say, oh yeah, he's been kind of depressed lately and he's been talking about doing this. And they'll get on their Facebook and it'll be very negative comments and talking about wanting to hurt people. And um, I know that one in uh, the New Zealand shooting that happened a couple years ago or a year ago, he was on social media and told everyone what he was about to do several hours before he did it and nothing was done about it. So 
if you have any suspicion at all, notify local law enforcement and they're going to do something about it. Um, if you're wrong, then so what? You're wrong. But you might have saved hundreds and hundreds of lives if you're right. So just look for signs of depression, um, suspicious activity, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So what maybe would be some signs that that one could recognize in, in a fellow employee or a coworker? You'd mentioned maybe some depressive things. Yeah, depression, um, disgruntled, maybe you got demoted, maybe you got fired, um, you know, some back in the office a lot lately, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Any reason for him to take out his anger, alcoholic tendencies, possibly divorced, um, maybe lost his kids in the divorce or something like that, and he just wants to lash out on the world. Financial hardships. Financial hardships. Yeah. Anything that might just trigger him. He just yeah. he might be a completely normal guy, and that one event might have just triggered him, and he can't control himself. Um, same thing with a lot of kids. You can notice um, late-stage bedwetting, hmm. um, very social anxiety kind of attitude, um, just kind of staying up late all night on their phones, um, constantly being bullied, stuff like that. Um, and if it is your own kid, watch, watch for the signs, um, report it, check his social media, check his phone. He might be texting his friend, his or her friends and saying, making a plan like the uh, Columbine shooting. They had a plan, they had journals, they had stuff written down about what they were gonna do, how they were gonna do it. They had a very distinct plan. So just look for signs, um, talk to people, try and be a friend for them. Yeah. It might just need someone to talk to and they'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. Great information. So the other thing I wanted to cover was just to reiterate then kind of what some of those resources are. You mentioned that you could you could reach out to your local law, law enforcement. Yeah. Are there any other resources? Is there anything that you're aware of that has been rolled out on a national level or that is available online? What type of other resources are available? Yeah. So there's a couple uh, couple resources. Um, like I mentioned before, Stop the Bleed is definitely a huge one um, just for training purposes and EMS purposes. As far as active shooter, um, if you go online, the Department of Homeland Security has some good videos and some good training videos on there. Um, they also have like a little pocket guide you can kind of print out and it has the, the run, hide, fight on it. And so just kind of reiterate that. Um, there's um, several classes. Uh, there's a craze class that we just recently took. Um, and it's about a three or four hour class and it's more detailed about what to look for, signs to look for, um, goes more into detail about the run, hide, fight, and it kind of goes into what you need to do. Um, so that's a good, uh, more civilian non-fire department class you can take. Um, just check with your agencies. A lot of different fire departments and EMS agencies and even law enforcement offer different classes, but just check around. Um, everyone offers something different but I definitely recommend Stop the Bleed for anybody. And then uh, Craze, go to Department of Homeland Security online, just kind of look at their stuff. There's videos, um, there's training online, YouTube, go to YouTube. Um, to YouTube has everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And just look up anything on there and they can kind of give you ideas about how to be prepared. How often do you recommend that these drills are performed? Uh, I would recommend two, three times a year. Wow. Yeah. It's like fire drills. You do, I think schools are required to do fire drills mm -hmm. twice a year. Um, do it twice a year. Just get comfortable with it. Uh, you can never do it enough. That's the thing. You can never do it enough. So if you do it once a month, awesome. Do it once a month. You're very prepared for it. Even if nothing happens, you're still very prepared for it. 
So I'd recommend at least two or three times a year just to kind of get in your system and figure out what's going on. And it's a, it's a traumatic thing too. So when you're doing these drills, people are gonna be scared. They're gonna be shocked. They're gonna be like, why do I ever need this? But you need to prepare them for something that may happen. So they're not thinking this is never gonna happen to me. They're gonna think this could happen to me. I need to be prepared to prevent this. Right. Well, thank you so much again. And, and tell us where actually we're, we're located. Yeah, so we're at Community Volunteer Fire Department. Um, the station we're at right now is Station 4. It's located off of Bel Air and Addicts Clothing. Mm -hmm. It's in the uh, southwest part of Houston and Aleaf. Uh, we cover about 26 square miles and uh, about 150,000 people. Cover Harris, Fort Bend County. Uh, average about, we're about 10,000 calls a year right now. Are you so really? So we're definitely growing. Wow. Uh, yeah, 26 a day. Uh, we recently, like I said, we did the tactical medic team that's been around for about a year now. Um, we also started a hazmat team. Did you really? Yeah. So we have hazmat and we also have a water strike team. So there's a lot of flooding in Houston, as you know. So uh, we have a water strike team. So we're kind of getting swift water training and stuff like that. So we're trying to be prepared in every possible scenario. It's not just a small local fire department. We're trying to grow. We're trying to get big. We have a lot of resources and we want to use those resources Absolutely. for anyone that needs it. Yeah. And how is it that someone would maybe get in touch with you in the event that they had some, some type of questions or, or something like that? Sort yeah, of? definitely. Um, you can always go online to communityvfd.com, as in volunteerfiredepartment.com. Or if you want to reach me personally, um, if you want to stop the lead classes, any kind of training, and just want to talk about what you can do, uh, my email for the department is josh.taylor at communityvfd.com. So feel free to reach out to me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's been you for just a wealth me. of knowledge, and and I think that you have been able to bring some insight, you know, from the front lines that not everybody has access to. So we definitely appreciate. No, thank you appreciate so much. Your time and effort. Yeah, yeah. thank All you. Right. Thank you. If you'd like to improve your own occupational health program, we invite you to contact Axiom Medical at eight seven seven five zero two nine four six six or visit our website axiom axiomllc.com.